if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. If you've been following this podcast, then you know that we have a regular feature called Church Chats with Ed, where my Protestant friend Ed and I chat about the differences between Catholicism and Protestantism. Well, today I'm launching a new periodic feature with another friend of mine, Corey Licatos. You've met Corey before in some earlier episodes. He and I worked together at the Lakeshore Academy for the New Evangelization, or LANE. Corey is our Director of Communications and also leads our family ministry, what we call LANE Families. We've known each other for many years, and we both entered the Catholic Church as converts at the same time. We also both love reading, and we work together for a while in publishing. And so we end up having a lot of conversations about books, particularly fiction. In fact, reading Catholic fiction and talking about those novels was one way that our roads to Rome converged. So, we thought that we'd share our passion for Catholic stories with you in a new regular segment that we're going to call simply Book Club. In this first installment of Book Club, we talked about what, exactly, makes a story Catholic. Shh! It's time for Book Club. So, Corey, we are starting a new feature here on the podcast, um, and we're going to call it Book Club. Excellent. It's always exciting to start a book club. Now, let's distinguish a little bit what we're going to kind of do here. Um, this th- this is book club, not book review. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So with a book review, we'd be saying, hey, here's this book. And then we're not giving you any spoilers, but we give it, you know, five stars or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the deal is. Uh, here, we're actually going to discuss the book. So. Right. So if you haven't read the book that we're talking about, either be comfortable with spoilers because uh, we'll talk about imp- things that are important and relevant or read the book first. Yeah. Or just pick up on some of the themes. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not going to, what I'd like to do is kind of not presume that the listeners read the book because okay. there's a lot of books that we're going to talk about here that some are very popular, some are maybe more obscure. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to assume that a lot of our people haven't read it. And I, I don't want them to go, well, I don't need to listen to that episode because what I want to make sure that we do when we're talking about them is kind of unpack a little bit, you know, the basic plot or the basic story and talk sure. about the parts of the story that we think are interesting or relevant. Mm-hmm. And if you've not read the book, you'll still be able to, to, you know, get value from that by just sort of, you know, getting the gist of the story, what it's about, what the important points were. And maybe, you know, maybe that intrigues you enough to actually, you know, Pick it up. Read the book. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So the second piece of housekeeping here uh, on this is uh, is uh, we are recording this outside. So we're doing our book club in nature here at the One Whirling Adventure Secret Compound. So, um, so you may occasionally hear a chirping bird or a squawking crow or a dive bombing pterodactyl or whatever. And if you hear any screaming and the microphone goes, goes blank, then, uh, avenge us. <laughs> so, 
Um, but the third piece is let's talk a little bit about the premise of the kinds of books we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So this is the Considering Catholicism podcast. It's the Considering Catholicism book club. So we're assuming we're going to talk about Catholic books and specifically we're going to talk about Catholic novels, right. not nonfiction. And as we're talking about Catholic novels, it raises this interesting question, which is what makes a novel Catholic? Right, right. Right. Um, and I mean, this is a long conversation too, even when I, when I think we were, when we were both Protestants and evangelicals, what made a book Christian, what mm-hmm. made a novel Christian or not Christian or a movie Christian or not Christian. But now we're taking that even to a sort of a narrower, um, band and we're saying what makes a novel, a Catholic, specifically a Catholic novel. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've talked a little bit about this offline, but let's maybe kind of share some thoughts for our, for our listeners. Um, so I'm going to throw out uh, kind of a, maybe a, a one way to think about it, and mm-hmm. then you tell me what you think. But I, I want to think about like a spectrum. Okay. And I don't know how many like, gradation points are on this spectrum, but maybe at one end of the spectrum, you have a novel that is, I'm going to call explicitly Catholic. So in other words, it's got Catholic characters and plot lines in it. So it's about priests and bishops or popes, and it's about church stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's specifically the plot is around that. And then uh, moving maybe sort of to the middle of the spectrum, you would have what I might call implicitly Catholic books in which there are some Catholic plot points or some Catholic characters but maybe it's got a more general general topic, general to- uh, plot. Maybe it's got characters that are not Catholic, right? Um, uh, but but it, it's implicitly Catholic in as much as it, it deals with Catholic themes mm-hmm. or Catholic faith topics, right? right? right. And, um, and, and, and then maybe at the other end of the spectrum, you have... Um, what I'm going to call uh, novels that are imbued with a Catholic worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, there's, there maybe there are no Catholic characters. There's no churches in it. There's no, you know, explicitly Catholic stuff in it. But this sort of Catholic worldview imbues it. And, and it's, in a sense, filled with that, or that's a subtext or a foundation. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, that's that's maybe one way that at least I think of it, um, and, and that all those kinds of novels can be Catholic in that one of those senses. Right. That that makes sense to me as one way to think about it. I would kind of um, build on that by separating out two different um, qualities that I think were implicit in what you said. One is, um, for lack of a better term, portrayal of Catholic stuff. So how how visible the church and the things of Catholicism are in the book from one end to that's what it's all about to the other end of it doesn't appear explicitly. Um, and you could think of that as one axis, maybe your X axis on a, on a grid. And then your other axis, the Y axis going in the opposite direction, um, could be how, how faithful it is to a Catholic worldview and to Catholic beliefs and doctrines. So we could think of, um, novels that, uh, portray Catholic things explicitly and are faithful to kind of the ethos of the church and the teachings of Christ. Um, we could also think of novels um, that have lots of priests and bishops and popes and and completely are unfaithful right. to um, to what Christ and his church actually say and are all about. Right. Um, 
And I think that would go down all, all the way down the spectrum to, to the other end you were talking about where there's, there are books that don't explicitly show Catholic stuff, but the heart of them is Catholic. Um, so you could plot things all over a graph yeah, like that. Right, right. I mean, maybe, maybe a word for that is, is orthodox. And, and it seems to me that something can be, uh, at least in this context, it can be what we might call like subjectively orthodox or objectively orthodox. And what I mean by that is like, okay, so let's suppose an author's writing a book mm -hmm. and it's got Catholic stuff in it. Um, and he sort of mentions things or develops plot points or makes commentary or whatever that sort of checks the, the boxes of, yes, that's an orthodox belief. Mm -hmm. That's an orthodox, right? It may or may not be a good novel, but yeah. 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 But, but it's sort of objectively orthodox. Right. But there's another way maybe that's, it's, it's about the subject which is the author's bias. Okay. Right? Like, in other words, he just kind of constructs things in such a way that it sort of makes the church look bad. Sure. Right? And um, we'll give some examples here in a moment. But, I mean, I've, I've, I've read, a, I, I'm, like, I, I personally think that the, the, the problem with most people is that they know almost everything they think they know about the Middle Ages is wrong. Right. Because their only source of information about the Middle Ages is largely Hollywood. And Hollywood portrays the church and it portrays the Middle Ages and the church in the Middle Ages um, in a biased fashion. And some mm -hmm. of that is sort of like objectively like, but some of it's just sort of implicit. Like, you know, you'll cast a character, say, in a movie. And if you'll notice, all of the monks or priests or whatever in the, are ugly. They're like physically unattractive sure, sure. people. And so you'll just kind of go, wow, you know, here's the handsome, you know, humanist guy, you know, Galileo is played by like some male model. And then all of the guys who are persecuting Galileo in the movie are all like ugly and they have deformed faces. Right, and they, right, you know, right. shuffle around, they have bad breath and their teeth are all rotten. And, you know, that's not even a very subtle thing, but it, it, it's, it goes to the author's bias. Mm -hmm. So. So I like your scheme of, you know, adding sort of that Y axis, but so, so let's to help, help our listeners to imagine, let's, let's just mention some books that maybe sure. occupy some of these spaces. So, so give me an example of, of, of an explicitly Catholic novel. Something uh, explicit um, that I've read in the last few years, um, not a super well-known author, but um, uh, Robert Hugh Benson wrote, mm -hmm. wrote a novel called The Lord of the World, yep. um, which is, uh, it, it was written near the beginning of the 20th century, but it's a dystopian novel um, right. about, I think it takes place in 2019 or something, yeah, right. um, uh, about- uh, Do they have flying cars? They do. It's great. <laughs> um, We've never got our flying yeah, cars. No, that's <laughs> the only good thing about this imagined future is, is the flying cars. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about um, church- politics and the right. relations of church and state in this kind of dystopian apocalyptic right. um imagined future um and it's it's both um completely about the things of the church and um explicitly trying to be faithful right. to the teachings of the church right. that's a great one uh that's a fantastic example another one um that we might think of or at least um, in that explicitly Catholic thing, um, are the Father Brown mysteries. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Chesterton. right. Chesterton's Father Brown mysteries where the, you know, it's a, the detective is, is a Catholic <laughs> priest, right? right? And it, and a lot of the plot lines involve the church. Um, an, uh, another one that we're going to talk about in an upcoming episode is, uh, Graham Greene's The Power and the Glory. Right. Right. Oh, and for that matter, uh, Shusuko Endo's, uh, Silence. Yeah. Um, yeah. both which are about, uh, priests and about the persecution of priests. So those will all be sort of like explicitly Catholic books. Right. But then again, all of those can sort of exist on this 
um, y-axis of how faithful they are mm-hmm. or not. And so when we get into that, because we're going to do an episode where we compare Green's power and the glory to Endo's silence, mm-hmm. sort of a tale of two priests. And what I would argue is that Green portrays is a sort of is on that orthodox y-axis. It's a sort of an orthodox view, and Endo is a sort of um, less than orthodox view, maybe below the midline. Um, yeah. Well, when we get to that episode. Yeah, yeah. Can, I was like, can... I have thoughts about that too, but yeah. Well, I can't we, wait. We'll, 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 we'll ha- talk about it then. We'll hash them out <laughs> yeah. then. Okay. So then let's talk about the ones that are sort of implicitly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I were talking about this before we, we started the recorder. And, um, you know, if you, if you look at Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, mm-hmm. the book itself, by the way, the book itself is like longer than the Bible. Yeah, I, still, I still need to actually read the book. I'm a big like, fan of the musical. It's but. like longer than Moby Dick. It's, just insane. Yeah. it's an insane. It's one of those 19th century yeah. bricks. I tried, yes. to, I tried to plow through it and got about three quarters of the way through one time, but um, that's like a thousand pages long or something mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but the, of course, the, the Broadway show and the, the movie, um, uh, is what most people know. Right. And I would, I would say that the, the novel is more explicitly Catholic, Hugo's novel. Um, it's not exclusively, but it's more explicitly. Mm-hmm. But the Broadway show and the film, which most people have seen or are more familiar with, is more implicitly Catholic. In other words, there's the character of the bishop um, and there, you know, and, and, and Jean Valjean, you know, hides in a, in a convent. Mm-hmm. And so there are some Catholic characters, but there's a lot of non-Catholic characters, a lot of non-Catholic plot points. Um, but implicitly sort of Catholic faith runs through it. Right. It's, and, it and, provides and the, the motivation for Jean Valjean right. and so and, forth. And the, and the themes are deeply Catholic and yeah. deeply Christian, even if it's not explicitly like what's driving the plot of the novel. Right, right. Y- you know, um, so I was sharing with you earlier that um, in another example in that vein maybe is Ken Follett's Pillar of the Earth series um, or Pillars of the Earth series. So when I, when I first picked that book up like 10 years ago, I was super excited because I've been studying medieval history since college. I love church architecture and, you know, Gothic architecture. And I loved Ken Follett's spy novels. I'd read, you know, four or five, six of his spy novels. A great, great, really exciting spy novel author. Mm. And he was going to do um, books about things that I love, like, you know, building of cathedrals in the Middle Ages. And I I was just deeply disappointed in the book because while there was all of this stuff about, you know, building a cathedral and all the characters were Catholic and all this stuff, um, he he, he had an anti-Catholic bias Mm -hmm. that really runs through it. And it just kind of turned me off. And I never read the second or third book in the series kind of because I was like, the whole thing was like, well, they're building this cathedral, but they're all corrupt and stupid and, you know, and everything else. And the only good characters are the ones who don't really believe in Catholicism and, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or, or everybody's heard of like Dan Brown's novels, <laughs> um, what, uh, Da Vinci Code and, and all that. Um, you know, from- I, I got to tell you a little story. I went to, uh, I took a, tr- uh, I took a, uh, a, 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 a pilgrimage group to Italy mm-hmm. uh, once and, um, uh, on one of the pilgrim trips, uh, trips to Italy. And there was a guy on the great guy, you know, faithful Catholic guy and all that stuff, but he'd read the Dan Da Vinci code and all this stuff. And he mm-hmm. was, and he, and he was into it. And so the whole time we're walking around Rome, he's like looking for all these like Da Vinci code things. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, 
they're not here. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like in the Da Vinci Code, it says when we're in the Sistine Chapel, there's this thing. And I'm like, it's not there. And he goes, but it's in the book. And I go, right. It's fiction. He, he made it up. Like that doesn't exist. And he goes, well, but how could he, how, how could the publisher like just make stuff up? I don't know. Because <laughs> they were making, they were printing money. They were literally printing money by yeah. making stuff up. So, uh, yeah, you know, so there's, there's, there's all these kinds of things where, okay. And then we get to this, this sort of the other end of that spectrum with X and Y axis we were talking about with things that are imbued with Catholicism. Mm-hmm. But don't explicitly portray it. Yeah. And it, and it just sort of is a background. And so there's some books there that we're going to be talking about uh, coming up, which is, uh, well, the ne- first episode after next episode here, the first uh, book club, we're going to be talking about um, the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. Which is the classic example of that part of the spectrum. You know, it's all yeah. about like hobbits with furry feet and swords and dragons and a bunch of weird stuff. And there's no priests or churches or anything else in it, but it's often been called, you know, Lord of the Rings often called the, you know, perhaps the greatest Catholic novel of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have any Catholicism in it. So, and also another one that I hope that we're going to be talking about soon is, um, uh, Mary Shelley's Dracula, or excuse me, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Bram Stoker's, we're going to talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula, but also Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And Frankenstein is not an explicitly Catholic yeah. book, but well, it's imbued with Catholic worldview. Right. Well, neither neither Shelley nor Stoker were Catholics. Right. Um, but yeah, the kind of the underpinnings, the philosophical and theological underpinnings of those books um, deeply yeah. resonate with, with Christianity and with, with the Catholic Church. Okay, so this is our uh, our hermeneutic or our schema for how we're we're approaching book club here, mm-hmm. and then I think the last question for some of our maybe listeners is, what's the criteria for why we're choosing? Well, you know, it has to be Catholic somewhere on that grid. Mm-hmm. We're probably gonna not talk about the ones that are sort of anti-Catholic. Yeah, I don't think right? you're gonna hear a Da Vinci Code. Uh, no, we're book not club gonna do episode. a Da Vinci book club <laughs> episode. Um, uh, but we're going to talk about uh, Endo's uh, silence, mm. and we can and we can have a vigorous debate about how orthodox or, dis- or unorthodox that is. Mm. But nevertheless, um, I, I think the criteria is is no more complicated than they're the books that we feel like talking about. Well, they have to be interesting um, in addition to being Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, I worked in, I worked in Christian publishing, and um, you know, for a major Christian publisher, and uh, for a while, and. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I know that there's a gazillion books out there and publishers are in the business of putting out, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of great Catholic authors, current Catholic authors, people who are, um, doing, you know, you know, fantastic, um, creative work, even self-publishing. There's just a lot of good stuff out there. Um, and we can't review it all. And some of it just is more interesting to you and I than others. And so mm-hmm. we bring our own subjective bias to it in terms of what kind of spins our, you know, we're both guys, I'm, I don't read a lot of chiclet. So, you know, I mean, I'm not that I'm opposed to that if, but I mean, typically the books that we're going to talk about are ones that are sort of interesting to us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you got to acknowledge that. I mean, if somebody wants to write in and tell us why we should uh, review Jane Austen or something, uh, knock knock yourself out. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's, there's, there's Catholic romance novels out there. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I, I, I read a, one um, 
published actually by by a friend yeah. um, uh, recently. That I know was the very, one you're talking about. You, very can give, good. you can drop a mention. Yeah. No, actually, maybe we we should do that one at some point. Um, I'm thinking of in pieces mm-hmm. of the authors uh, Rhonda Ortiz. Yeah. Why, why um, we all know Rhonda? Yeah, huh? yeah. She's she's a, a local where we live. Well, so. maybe we could have Rhonda on book club sometime. Yeah, that'd and be she great. could talk about her book. But um, and that's not a genre that I read very much, but well, I, I very much enjoyed. I her mean, book. I respect yeah. Rhonda, and she's a good friend of ours, and mm-hmm. it's a great book. Uh, it's not like to your point. It's not the genre of of, mm-hmm. of thing that I typically pick up, but mm-hmm. that doesn't, that's not a, that's not any kind of an indictment of the quality of the book. It's, mm-hmm. you know, so basically you're going to get the subjectivity of the books that we sort of like are interested in, feel like talking about. Yeah. Well, and, and I would add also just hopefully we pick things that are high quality, like you with things that are worth reading, yeah. whatever, whatever the opinion well, may be on them. And I think ones too, that, um, maybe are, uh, I don't know what, like emblematic or archetypal, sure. you know, like, um, we're going to talk about some ones that I think are, are great sort of archetypes of Catholic novels. Sort of representative. Re- of, yeah, yeah. Representative of sort of types and categories and idea, big ideas. Um, and so we're going to go all over the place. We're going to talk about some historical fiction. We're going to talk about some fantasy. We're going to talk about some Catholic science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got all kinds of stuff that we're going to sort of be bouncing around. Uh, and so hopefully, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, so yeah, this is going to be book club. So we'll plow right in. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Thanks, Corey. Yep. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com dot com.